Hi guys, uh, welcome back, episode 6, yes? Yeah, 6. Yeah, I think so as well. Okay. Well, me... Hello guys! Hi. <laughs> well, me and Roman um, just finished playing a game of uh, 40k, using everything we know from the new rules. We used a 60 by 40 board, very carefully. We, uh, we actually played one and a half game. <laughs> yeah. the, fir the first game we measured the board out wrong and then with half a board we like, this seems like yeah, whoever gets the first turn just wins. Yeah. So yeah, make it 60 by 40, not 30 by... 30, 40 by... 44 or whatever it was. We ended 44 up. by... 44 by 30. Yeah. 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 So we made it half a board. Actually, 34 by 40 can be a really good one as well, uh, but just keep in mind that you shouldn't have 2,000 points then. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so 60 by 44, we got the size right in the end. Uh, yeah, um, it didn't feel that much smaller. Uh, no, I, I actually, I, I wouldn't say that I felt that much difference. No. Uh, considering the fact that it actually, like, so before that, because you had that long edges, mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, it actually added the possibility for many armies to, to be mobile, yeah. especially if you have flyers. But at the same time, it actually... Uh, forced many armies to be really castle-like, yeah. uh, because I mean, like if it's if you have a long edge, uh, long edge board and long edge deployments, then what you do? You build a castle, uh, and then you sit there and guard your castle. Yeah, that's what that's how it goes. But if the new rules, you have a lot of more. You have way more possibilities to actually make an army, such as Admech, for example. I played Admech today, and yeah. uh, Richard, you played uh, chaos, noise marines. Terminators, Night Lords, Walk Times. What I've been playing for a while now. I just want, I want to make the army that I've been using for a while, and then see how it plays in this new edition. I'm not sure, honestly. Well, uh, I I basically created a new list, pretty much. Uh, usually, I play Admet plus Knights, uh, so it's not like a. Well, it's, it's sort of a pure pure army because you have some uh, questor mechanic stuff in your yeah. admin codex, so it's kind of pure. But this time, I decided to to get rid of all knights and play only admech and only Mars as well. Yeah, and only Mars as well. So mm -hmm. it's like super pure, the purest Mars yeah. ever. Uh, and I can tell that, uh, except of so. Uh, I, if 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 uh, if you play at Mac or if you played ever at Mac uh, before, especially in the eighth edition, if you saw, if you saw a start collecting box for at Mac, uh, there's been a model which is called uh, Dune Collar, yeah, which is basically a crab on the legs. It's a very cool model and it's very unique to the army. Yes, but it doesn't work. No. Uh, so in this list, I actually used two of them uh, just because I didn't have those new fancy flyers that's been uh, on. This been actually they already released, so you, I think you can actually buy them now. Uh, so I, 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 I didn't have them, so I didn't use them, and as I told, as I, we actually told many times, like, now if you already have an army, now it's not the best time to buy new models. Yeah, I mean, we, oh, that's the other thing, we played at 1,900 points instead of 2,000. Uh, I heard somewhere, I think it was in a Games Workshop stream, that most armies are going to lose about 100 points based on points costs increases, but it, it depends what you're playing. Um, Horde armies, all the Horde type models are going up in points. Um, so we just decided to play 1,900 each, see how that felt. Uh, I mean, for me, I lost a battalion that I was taking just to take uh, command points with some Marines in it that didn't do mm -hmm. a whole load. So I don't feel like I really lost anything in my army, honestly. Um, I just swapped some Marines out and then carried on playing with the same list, pretty much. Well, I, I changed quite a lot. Uh, so it's Apart from two two dune crawlers, I also took more breachers, yeah. uh, more than I usually have. I took twelve instead of nine, and I took one more robot, uh, one more Castellan robot with uh, with all shooty stuff. Yeah, and uh, I can tell that uh, in this new edition, this updated rules for vehicles, they make them so powerful. Yeah. Anything with the vehicle keyword now can um, move and shoot heavy with no penalty. Um, so basically everyone's an iron hand. <laughs> basically but, pretty much everything. And, and vehicles can shoot into combat. And I think this is where I'm now looking at my army thinking like maybe this doesn't work anymore. Because previously when I was playing against Roman, the play would be to get some something that's good at charging, but maybe not that super valuable, like a small unit of warp talons into a tangle two or into his robots and then just shut them down for the rest of the game. 
thing is now I wasn't able to do that because I knew if I charged in he was just going to shoot because he can now shoot into combat and um, just kill whatever charged them so um, I felt like I had to use my terminators to kill the robots which they did admirably but then yeah. they were kind of left out in the middle of the board instead of being locked into combat where they're, where they're safe um, so I'm, I'm really thinking about going back to the drawing board at this point <laughs> I really want to have terminators and noise marines I'm hoping that can still be my core but the units I take to support them I'm not sure what's, what that's going to be now. Well, that's actually a, a huge question, I would say. Uh, I, I, I'm not a huge expert in Chaos Forces, so I mm. don't, don't really know how does it work. Uh, but uh, from, what I, what, from what I saw today, I definitely can tell that Termis uh, did their job in killing robots. Yeah, but they have a lot of points. Yeah, but they have a lot of points. And another thing is that uh, now it's actually possible to take any of your uh, any part of your army in reserve, yeah. and then bring them back on the table after after the first turn. So right, think... from the beginning of well, from the movement phase of the second turn, anything can come in reserve. You don't have to have the deep strike or the outflank keyword. Exactly. And you come in from a board edge within six inches of that board edge, and like for Roman's army, like it was suddenly so much more dynamic. Uh, he kept his robots off the board and then brought them on turn two onto. A completely different area of the battlefield. So then you had these two castles. So I couldn't just attack one. I had to split my forces on both. And I don't think I did that very efficiently. And ultimately, that I think lost me the game. Um, but the fact that, like, because robots are vehicles, so they can move and shoot their heavy weapons, which they only have heavy weapons, <laughs> without penalty. And they can now um, come on as reserves. So they can't get killed in the first turn because they're off the board. They come in the second turn, they still shoot with no penalty. They've got a big range and you can put them anywhere where they're going to be useful. And like we've been saying on this podcast frequently that it'd be nice for Admech to have some dynamicism. And we were thinking of like, oh, these new models are kind of adding that, sure. But I think the bigger thing that's adding that is this new rule set yeah. where with the ability to bring these units on reserve and have no penalty to, to shoot. Yeah, that's for sure. And what, what basically I did, instead of taking one huge block of robots that I usually did, I took, I, I separated them into one unit of three and one unit of two. And I brought one unit of three, which I still think, it, it, which I think it, it was a mistake, I should have brought a unit of two instead. Uh, but anyway, brought unit of two, uh, they killed noise marines, then terminators came, killed robots. And then next turn I brought another unit of robots, which pretty much killed everything else. Yeah. So that possibility of actually separating your valuable things into chunks and uh, then deploy them on the board in chunks, that adds a lot uh, to, the, to, the, to the armies which were before just one castle. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's a lot more dynamic, which I think is, is a very good thing. I think throughout the... I mean, we are playing with, with, newer, with some new rules, so obviously we're going to be thinking more, but I think the way the game plays now there's a lot more choices involved yeah not just in your reserves which is a huge thing but also command points it's a big change right yeah yeah command points is, is huge so before that so you know before that for admec you always needed to care how many command points you have yeah so you're uh, taking at least two battalions exactly that's why you take two battalions that's why you're trying to be uh, to take like uh, this world of trade which allows you to uh, get additional command points if your opponent is if you or your opponent are actually using any command points on sixes uh, so you're actually trying to like to keep them as many as possible because robots are greedy breachers or destroyers are greedy as well uh, knights well that's I, I that's basically just one huge I don't know like they just consume command points like I don't yeah. know like they have no end uh, but now, surprisingly, this game, I actually, for the whole game, I had more command points than you. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing is, like, uh, what makes me laugh is you look at the Game Social article and they say, everyone's getting more command points. But I don't think they understand how people were playing the game in tournaments. Because taking a double battalion, one battalion that gives you another three command points, right, that's 13 already. Then you get three for your, for your army, that's 16. Then you take another attachment, right, 17. Mm -hmm. So I was used to starting the game with 17 command points. Now I start with 12, I uh, get my one free battalion, so then I still have 12. And then I take a detachment of Night Lord, so I spend two, and I've got, and I've got 10 command points. And then I get one per per round each game, which is, is 16 in total. So for the entire length of the game, I'm one CP down, and at the start of the game, I'm less than half the number of CPs that I was I was used to having. Yeah, which that's, is a, that's huge. We've completely changed how the army plays. There was one key moment which really pointed this out to me. It's um, I failed a presence on my noise marines, and like usually I'd just be oh, I have 
throw a command point, re-roll it. I, yeah. I want my presence. And I looked at it and I looked at how much CP I had and how much I was getting in the next turn, which is just one. And I was like, I can't. I actually can't re-roll this presence because I need those CP for my charges in the next turn. Yeah, and uh, for me it was quite opposite because Admech usually spends a lot of command points in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so in the beginning of the game you spend command points for robots for changing their protocols. You're spending two CPs for uh, special Mars strategy, which gives uh, mortal wounds on sixes. And mm -hmm. you obviously apply this one on, on robots as well because those are the guys who will generate more, the most wounds yeah. in, in your army. Uh, so, but... In, because I didn't need to like do that like in the beginning of the game I just like I split this whole stratagems uh, stratagem strategy uh, and uh, stratagems consumption through the whole length of the game yeah and uh, by like by the fourth turn I still had like three command points which is for me is like a lot yeah uh, and I used them again uh, how many times I used that thing for robots like three times I think yeah yeah, so six command points for um, additional mortal wounds on sixes, two command points for um, changing the protocols, yeah. and I still had like fully rolls and stuff. So yeah. I, I didn't really care about the command points that, that much that I usually did. But I think that's partly the way you played, in having the robots in reserve and coming on two two chunks instead of that one big unit. You weren't, uh, you weren't spending everything on the first turn and all of your shooting units. You were like, okay, this first turn... I have my breaches, see what we can do with them. Next turn, turn two, right now we have the robots, I'm focusing on those. And turn three, we have the other unit of robots, we'll focus on those. And like, I think that's kind of how you've got to budget your command points now. Like, there's definitely been a, a play style in uh, eighth, not the only way to play, but a, a pretty common play style is to start the game with as many command points as mm -hmm. possible and then spend all of them in the first two turns. Yeah. And just to try and cripple your opponent. That's what and it just doesn't is. work now because yeah. you, you don't have, because your command points are spread out over the game more. You don't have the ability to um, it's just front load them all like that. You've got to you've got to bit play with a bit more patience mm -hmm. and, and make choices about where you spend them. Also, like each CP becomes a lot more valuable, not just on oh do I actually do this reroll? Because um, I think there's been a temptation in in eighth where we've had such a ludicrous number of command points for people people taking brigades or double battalions, sometimes mm -hmm. a brigade <laughs> and a battalion um, to just reroll every single turn. Oh, I got one reroll this turn. I'm going to use it. Whereas now it's like, oh, I don't want to use that reroll because I need this command points next turn. I need to have at least three next turn. Mm -hmm. And also relics at the start of the game become uh, much more of a choice. Um, like I would, uh, as a Chaos player, kind of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good relics. And like spending, if I'm taking a Demons and a Chaos Space Marines attachment, previously spending um, four CP to get three extra relics was like, kind of a normal thing you need to do mm -hmm. now it's just not possible to do that because i'd start the first turn with so few um so yeah well I, i've never had that many good relics for a neck yeah uh, i still don't like yeah. i actually was hoping that after this uh engine wars like whatever it's called like the late the, the late the latest psychic awakening that includes that neck i was actually hoping that i'll get some uh some good relics there but i didn't uh i think that i saw something for knights but today I didn't use knights so I didn't care much uh, so yeah but I totally understand the, the armies which which have a lot of relics and we've got a lot of those like space marines yeah. chaos space marines uh, I mean with space marines um, you can pay to have a second war trait mm -hmm. and then you can pay to take a specialist track with the field commander and then you can pay to have two extra relics so you spend, you can easily spend five command points before the game just playing pure space marines. And then if you ally in guard as well, take you take another couple of relics from there. You spend eight CPs before the game even started, and that's the sort of thing I saw people doing at tour tournaments. Take a brigade uh, of guard, take a battalion of space marines, spend six to eight command points before the game had even started to get all this cool gear. And uh, if you do that now, you're, you're not going to have any more command points left. Exactly, and the same goes for armies, like for elite armies, like custodies. Yeah, they also have a lot of a lot of things, and they are uh, in their chests. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, considering the fact that they've been sitting uh, near the gold throne for the last like ten thousand years, they have a lot of fun toys. Uh, yeah, exactly. They had a lot of fun toys to keep them busy. So, and and I remember when I when I played custodies, I took at least two relics. Yeah. And uh, an extra world trade. And, uh, and yeah, exactly, exactly, an additional world trade. So now this time, I, I don't think that it's going to work right now. So probably for... I think it depends on your build, though, because, like, because, I mean, I was... 
spending two CP to get the the netwise detachment in. Um, so what we did because it hasn't really been confirmed how much detachments are going to cost. We know that battalion is three, and if your warlord is in it, it's, it's a free detachment. It doesn't cost any CP. And it's the assumption I've seen is that a spearhead or a uh, or an outrider or those other detachments will cost one CP. And then they have said it would be an additional one CP if they don't have the the same faction keywords as your um, as your warlord. So we did as a, a the um, the outrider for my night lord is, is costing two CP. Um, but if I was playing without that and just playing a pure battalion list, um, then I'd have twelve CP uh, instead of ten. Um, and then spending more CP on relics and war traits is, is a thing. And I think if you're going to play an army like, if you're playing something like pure custodies, mm-hmm. you can easily fill your 2,000 points from just one battalion. Yeah. And then you've got a lot of CPs to actually get all of those tasty relics. Actually, yeah, that, that, that probably would work. Uh, what do you think? If, is it going to work if nice as well? I, I, I really don't know. I, I, I hope so. I, like, I think knights when they function the best they're, they're a gatekeeper army mm-hmm. and, um, and so a gatekeeper army is it's not going to win a tournament but it's going to do well and if and because people take them you're, you get, you have to tech against them I think that keeps the, the meta interesting because they're such an extreme version of a 40k army that you can have an army that's quite good at dealing that's good at dealing with hordes that can also be quite good at dealing with elites but then maybe it can't deal with vehicles at all. But if there's no knights in the, in the meta, then who cares, right? So having it so the knights have, have a place at tournaments means that people have to like build these more diverse take-all-comers lists, which I think is a good thing. I think a big thing with knights is going to be how, how the super heavy detachment plays out. I mean, like I said, the assumption seems to be that it's one CP for all of the other detachments, but I can't imagine super heavy detachments going to be only one CP. I mean, that's the equivalent of a other battalions worth of points of stuff right so i i imagine that will be a big point on how much super heavy detachments cost and i'd like personally to see that um for knights get a special rule that um if their warlord is in a super heavy detachment then that attachment is free as if it's a battalion because if you're playing pure knights you can't you can't have that free battalion detachment so it'd be that nice be great <laughs> yeah exactly but um so it'd be good if if knights have something to to keep them because they are they are CP hungry and they also need to be like just a normal knight with no relic and no war trait isn't that interesting like it doesn't it can't do that because much. for example if actually if we would say that for example super heavy detachment uh, with the warlord uh, in it is going to be free yeah and then if you also have uh, you remember the special rule for the knight if you have uh, I don't think you get both I think you do no because, I, because why not I mean like so first warlord is there right. Uh, but then your whole army is basically huge robots, and that's it. Uh, I mean, you you will fit obviously some uh, warglaves or halberdines, but your main army is still going to be those huge knights, and I think that they definitely deserve some command points there because you're going to spend like most of them before the game. Yeah, but I think that's what Games Workshop want. Honestly, like you have, uh, it seems like they their their idea of an army, like the standard army, is going to be one battalion that has twelve command points. Like that's that's just standard build. So knights that have one super heavy with 12 command points. I think that's where where they would like to pitch that. I mean, obviously, this is speculation here. This is just my instinct. Um, I think if you're getting bonus command points for taking knights and you start with 15, I think that's a lot. I think that's a, a dangerous area to get into. Yeah, but it's still good. But it's still, I, th- I think that it's still going to be possible. I mean, now every army has something to kill knights, right? You have, yeah. like, Termis, Space Marines have... Even Noise Marines will kill them. Yeah, exactly. Easy. Noise Marines can kill a knight. So, actually, I... Th- Think that in those circumstances, uh, having additional command points is going to be something that we've been actually lacking as nice players to uh, to have to save the knights. Yeah, but I mean, so what was the what was the say if we look at eighth now? How many CP do you take get for taking a knight army? You get three base, and then you take super heavy, and how many command points do you get for that? Uh, three more. So you'd have six. 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 Going from six to twelve is a big jump. Yeah, I mean that's for sure, yeah. uh, and uh, that that's why I think. That, but but you also will have like way fewer models. So for example, if yeah. you're noise marines, uh, when when we play today, uh, you had a lot of models to hold the table. Yeah. While with knights, what you're going to have? Okay, so you're going to bring, for example, uh, from what I see at the moment, at least, uh, I definitely see a place for knight preceptor, mm-hmm. and I definitely see a place for uh, war glaives. Yeah. 
now like before that like taking war glaze was like nah yeah, well, but now you can, can reserve them and bring them on from a board edge. Exactly. Now you can reserve them and bring them on, on from the board edges. And uh, in in this case, they actually can do something. Yeah, especially as they get to, if they do get charged, they not only get to fight, but then they get to shoot because vehicles get to shoot into combat. Exactly, exactly. So you can shoot in combat. Then they also have some additional stuff in, in the book uh, yeah. for war waves, which is, again, really nice. And some additional stuff for night receptor as well. So I think that this combination of Perceptor and Warglaze and Halverins can actually work pretty well. Again, I didn't check everything and we don't know the ninth edition yeah. uh, by its end, so we don't know what, what is going to change. But like so far, with the rules that we actually play today, it seems really good uh, yeah. for knights. But I, I think also with the knights, like um, in terms of being outnumbered, I mean, you're always going to be outnumbered with knights, but it seems like infantry is going up in points cost kind of across the board. Uh, intercessors have been confirmed are going up to 20 points now cultists and guard are going up to six points a model so like that's a lot yeah it's a big increase right so if knights i think knights should say the same i think a 2000 point army of knights in ninth should look the same as it did in eighth because they can't really go down like if you increase the points here and there on a knight you, it becomes really really hard to build a 2000 point army exactly exactly so i think that knights are going to stay pretty much the same i hope so yeah uh the only thing that I was hoping about is that they will do something, at least something, with the Valiant Knight. Yeah. Uh, with the Harpoon Finny. But being able to come on from reserves. Yeah. So that gives it some play. If your opponent leaves uh, somewhere, I mean, what's the range on the uh, on the Flamer? 18. 18. So you can come in from reserves, you have to be 9 inch away from your opponent. You're well going to be able to come in with an 18. Exactly, you're so coming you in with the an flamer. 18. And if, you go, if you're playing... Um, uh, house Hulk Shroud. Yeah. Then you also have additional strength uh, on your nice weapons. Yeah. On on, on the on the flamer. On, yeah. on, not not on the all weapons, but on the flamer. You can take relic flamer instead instead of normal one. And then it actually works really well. Although uh, the harpoon is still a bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it still doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, the harpoon is one of those things. I mean, I guess if vehicles become as prevalent as it seems like they could then the harpoon actually might be useful because you've got a strong potential to just kill a vehicle a turn with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but right now, the way things are, people take a lot of infantry and the harpoon is kind of worthless in that mm -hmm. environment. So I think the Valiant um, will... The value of the Valiant will be based on the value of vehicles. If vehicles are pre prevalent, then maybe it has a place. And it has that nice dual role with the flamer of being able to kill a lot of... Um, uh, even heavy infantry and then the harpoon to shoot and kill a tank as well like well, that's that's a scary model yeah yeah uh so probably what i was thinking what i would be thinking about is a preceptor warglaves and if if it happens that everybody will take vehicles yeah and uh now it's way more reason to take vehicles because you definitely can, they're way better yeah because they just work better uh so in in, in this case uh i would consider variant uh, to be back on the table as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like what I'm hoping for is a nice mix meta. So I'd like to see, uh, like, Imperial God tank, tank armies be a thing. Uh, one thing I was saying to Roman earlier is like I've been, um, I've been playing around mostly with like well, how I think Emperor's Jordan will shake out because that's the army I've been playing. But my other Chaos army is, or well, my other Chaos Legion is um, Iron Warriors, and like now with this new system, I can I can build the Iron Warriors army I always wanted because. The problem with Iron Warriors is that if you're building off the theme, it's all heavy support. You want Havocs with auto-cannons or LAS cannons, you want obliterators, you want defilers, you want mm -hmm. mauler fiends. These are all heavy support choices. But in order to make them work, they need command points, so you have to take attachment of cultists that don't really do anything. Or Chaos Space Marines, which do even less for, for more for, points. For, for their points, yeah. Uh, so now, being able to take just like maybe one spearhead and just filling up on heavy supports and characters, I think that could be a really interesting Iron Warriors army. Um, so that's something I'm kind of excited to see if, if that's something that plays out um, and is something I'll be able to take. Because, I mean, sure, it's going to cost me a few command points because I'm not taking a battalion. But um, I don't have to take those crap units that weren't doing anything and just giving me command points, which was kind of hemorrhaging the points from, from the good stuff in the list. It was why I kind of got bored of playing, to be honest. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. Uh, another thing what I'm, what I'm thinking about is uh, because, the, because the whole board is smaller as well, yeah. and because you have this ability to bring some stuff from reserve, I think that 
uh, armies which are more like melee oriented, yeah. they will have a second life. Yeah. Uh, I definitely see a place for new admech uh, riders. Yeah. Uh, on those servers, on those dogs, basically, yeah. and I definitely see the place for chickens, uh, for uh, Iron Strider. Dream Striders? No, uh, no Iron Strider. So there is Balistrasi, the one which is shooty, and then there is another one with uh, the last cannon thing. Yeah, 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 and then there's another type of Iron Strider, with the, which is with the yeah, yeah, the, spear. Yeah. the chickens. Yeah, the chickens. The, the chickens. <laughs> so I definitely see a place for them as well because if you can come, if if they Come potentially come from reserve, then you can use a stratagem on them with additional, um, with generating additional heads. Yeah. And that's how it works. You basically come from reserve in the second turn, you take a circle around your enemy, and now you yeah. can fight. While now, for example, when I, when I saw games from uh, Tabletop Tactics, for example, somewhere else, what, and when I saw chickens, it's like, okay, now those chickens are going to be fried. And usually, in most cases, yeah. they did. Uh, because even with their movement, you still need to run like a lot yeah. in order to reach something. While now, for example, if you take Tikris um, uh, Panipolos, yeah. so Tikris Panipolos has, has two profiles. One of them is increasing the distance for shooting, and another one is increasing distance for moving and charging. So if you take that one together with Iron Striders, or with those uh, dog riders or like yeah. whatever, then voila, you can you can definitely do some damage in the melee stuff. And uh, the same goes, uh, the same applies for, for chaos. I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, right now um, the only um, cult troops. So the cult troops are is like a, a shorthand for the ones that are dedicated to gods. So you have your noise marines for Emperor's children or Sanesh, corn berserkers. Um, the Rubit Marines and the uh, Plague Marines. Right now, Noise Marines are really good um, because they have really good strategy and support, um, which makes them kind of interesting going to this where you have more limited CP pool because mm -hmm. they, they don't feel super broken because they're going to be able to do their trip once, maybe twice, but if you're doing it twice, you're probably not doing anything else. Mm -hmm. um, Corn Berserkers don't do anything right now. Yeah. They just die. They just like, die. They run across the board and they get shot and they die. Whereas if you can um, cleverly... Um, bring them on for reserves at key moments and um, they get bonuses to charge so like they have a good chance of getting into combat um, which is where they need to be um, and like there's one build with um, with the Rubik Marines where you teleport in a big blob but it's not as good as just taking some obliterates or terminators in my opinion and uh, Plague Marines have got some buffs from their book which might make them better but like all of these um but really, for me, those are the iconic Chaos Space Marine units, and like I want to see armies built around those. So hopefully, with this new sort of reserve tactics, we'll be able to be able to see corn armies that have corn berserkers and Nurgle armies that have plague marines and Thousand Sun armies that have Rubik marines because yeah. that that's that's what that's what makes them different from Space Marines. Exactly, and uh, we actually didn't mention one really important thing: how many of you, how much of your army you can put into reserve. Yeah, so so same as uh, in 8th, you can have half your army in reserve. Um, so previously that was only Deep Strikers, so it's pretty easy to fulfill. Mm -hmm. Whereas now where all of your army can go into reserve, it becomes quite a choice because you're like, oh, well, I mean, I could put this, this, and this, and this into reserve, and then that gives me a really powerful second turn punch, but it's not leaving enough on the board to like put enough pressure in the first turn. So I think that's gonna that will come down to playtesting and trying yeah. different things out. And then another question for me would be, uh, for example, if I have a knight, if I have a super heavy walker, yeah. can I charge through something? So like before that, for example, yeah. if you had a, if you had a guard, yeah. like just one, one just one one single guardsman, like in a line, yeah. you couldn't go across them, yeah. which was ridiculous. Like I, I'm a super heavy walker, I can I don't know, like in the lore, I crash the walls well, you and can, like you can, the move, you can move out of combat over friendly over enemy models, um, but you can't just move over them. Uh, I don't know, they haven't said anything. I mean, with flyers, they've released a lot now. There's actually been a pretty good post from Warhammer community about how flyers work. And flyers basically don't interact with ground anymore. Um, they can fly over and through enemy units, and enemy units can move over and through their bases. Um, you, you don't even have to respect the one-inch rule. You can just, like, the base is... They literally said in the article, the base of the flyer is there to hold the model up. Other than that, it doesn't take any part in the game. Which is a really good thing, because the whole thing of move-blocking... A knight with a flyer was done. 
So hopefully knights uh, do get something similar where they can just ignore infantry and walk over them. Yeah, I I, I hope so because that's that's what would you expect from knights, and yeah. then actually taking some uh, putting something uh, into reserve actually works really well because then you can take your super heavy walker, uh, for example, knight and gallant or like two, yeah. two gallants. And then you can put them to reserve, and then they're going back second turn and nine inch away from uh, from the enemy, and then you can charge. Yeah. Well, that's that's like a lot. I mean, like nine inch charge for knight is not a huge problem. You can definitely charge into something in your way, and uh, if you don't have a line of guardsmen which is yeah. blocking you from charging uh, huge targets, yeah, uh, then it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, screening is such a key part of the game uh, now. Um, so putting a line of like cheap infantry out in front of your army to stop your opponent from getting charges and getting trained to shoot is, has become such a big part of 8th edition in tournament play. And I think that is a good thing because it's very tactical. But there are definitely situations where it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so so like things like knights and flyers being able to just move over them. I mean, flyers could before, but now the fact that base doesn't even interact, so you can just place them right next to enemy, enemy mm -hmm. infantry with their base but the model is right off the board out of the way that makes a lot of sense so having something similar for knights i think would be good and like like i said i, I like I, I don't want to see a, a meta where you have to take knights to win a tournament i think that would be frustrating for most players but mm -hmm. having having a meta where you have to attack for knights otherwise there's no way you're going to go anywhere in a tournament i think would be would keep things fresh and interesting yeah exactly in my opinion you actually uh like that's that's only my opinion obviously but i think that every army should have a chance to win a tournament yeah absolutely uh like yeah for some armies it's going to be a bigger chance for some armies it's going to be a smaller chance but if you're like if you're a good enough player of that army you definitely deserve a chance to win a tournament. Yeah. And uh, now, I mean, like in the eight, uh, it it basically wasn't possible. Mm. You you had top tier armies, and if you want to win, you take this list yeah. or like this army, and then your chances of winning is like skyrocketing. But I think like game switch are definitely moving in the right direction. I mean, eighth edition has been way way more balanced than it ever has been, and the more it ever yeah. has been before. I mean. 7th edition was probably the worst. In in 7th edition, there was Aldar, Tau, and Space Marines. And we're not even talking about codexes. We're talking about specific lists. Like, if you wanted to do well at a tournament, you had to take this list. There were, like, three, maybe four or five lists, but, like, three ones that really stood out of, like, this is the list you take. If you don't take this list, then you don't win. Whereas in 8th... A, it still happens sometimes. It actually. still happens. I mean, there was the period with the Castellan, but that was quickly quickly dealt with. Yeah. And um, but there's generally most armies can make an army that can win a few games at tournament, mm -hmm. and even the armies that have um, like the best codex right now. There's not just one list that's a standout. It's because the variety um, means that they're harder to um, to make a pre build for, and that is what makes them strong. And that's. That's good balance. Like you want to have, you want to have a variety of armies from each codex that have a chance of winning. I mean, obviously that's an ideal. It's gonna be really, it's really hard to to balance a game to that level. Um, but it seems to be the direction that we're moving in. Yeah. And hopefully, with the smaller board, it brings some combat armies back into the fray, and um, we have a, quite a few archetypes going on. Mm -hmm. The only thing I'm worried about is horde armies. With everything going up in in points, I mean, horde armies have been so dominant. For such a long time now that it makes sense that they would they would increase the points on these cheap infantry to make that playstyle less prevalent. But I don't want it to go away completely because there are people like out there who love playing with 120 orcs and maybe even more. Well, for for some for some thematic armies, I would actually say that that's that's going to be a, a hit still. Yeah. Uh, for example, as we as we as we as we noticed today, uh, when the with the fixed deployments that you have, yeah, and uh, with the like. We're probably going to see, at least that's that's my feeling that I got from, from the game, we're probably going to see a specific sets of terrain as well, mm -hmm. how they should be played, how yeah. they should be placed, and so on and so forth. So in my opinion, horse armies are going to receive a huge hit, and I'm not sure if they're going to be... Viable. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Or at least they're not going to... They're definitely not going to be at the same place where they're right now. Yeah. Uh, and they're definitely going to be worse. Um, and that's kind of sad. Yeah. But at the same time, 
everyone's kind of bored of them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Everybody's kind of bored of them. And uh, to be honest, like, how often do you see people like actually playing like 120 or like 200 models because uh, because they actually love them because yeah. they have they have a feeling of how it should work, while people just take those models because that's how the meta works yeah, now. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there are definitely those players out there who like do love that old play style and like all power to them. I hope they'll still be able to bring their armies, but I don't want them to default win because it's so easy for them to hold the board. Um, so it's a really fine balancing act. I'm really like, I mean, I've been following all this stuff pretty carefully and I've been chatting to a lot of people online and um, now we've had a game and like, I'm honestly not sure where the meta is going to land. Like it's, 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 it really is a whole new world. Like the first few months are going to be super, super interesting while people are trying out all these different things and finding out what is actually good. Yeah. And usually, I mean, the meta kind of settles for a while and then someone realizes some rules interaction and then suddenly this another archetype springs out of the ground. Like that's what keeps the game interesting. That's what keeps people buying models, which ultimately like, yeah, it's an expensive hobby, but like mm -hmm. you need people to be keeping buying stuff. Otherwise... The company disappears and we don't have a game anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually, another thing that I've noticed uh, when we played uh, that small board, mm. uh, even small board actually looked really interesting from from uh, from those new new updated rules point. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not a thousand points on the, for the table, of yeah. course, and that's where where we failed. Uh, but if you take, for example, uh, one thousand two hundred points, yeah, or like just one thousand points. Yeah. I definitely can imagine like two armies, 1,000 points on that size of the table that, well, they, and that's they, going to be great. They have put into the into the rules now recommended board sizes. So these are board sizes are minimums. We play on the 60 by 44, which is the recommended minimum size for a 2,000 point game. That means you, if you wanted to, you could play by a 10 by 10 board, 10 foot by 10 foot. If you really wanted to, I wouldn't recommend it. You'd probably break your back. But... Um, like that is a is a possibility, but I think most tournaments will take. Well, from what I've been uh, seeing and what I've been talking to people about, it seems like most tournaments are gonna are gonna go for those minimum sizes. And you're right. Like maybe um, if the points, if if there are tournaments out there that experiment with smaller point sizes and take the recommended minimum size for a thousand points mm -hmm. instead of two thousand points, and like it makes it a very very different game. And I mean. I think it's very hard to persuade people out of what is normal and like normal is 2,000 points on a 6 foot by 4 foot board mm -hmm. and there's definitely some people who scream the sky is falling just going down to 60 inches by 44 inches yeah but um, the if if you can get people to experiment maybe 1,000 points on a small board is, is the best way to play in a tournament because it's quick um, and you have to make real choices in your army but mm -hmm. we'll see we'll see how it shakes out I think like 2,000 points as we know it is not going to be 2,000 points anymore because the points are going to shake up so much. Those massive horde armies it just aren't going to be possible. I mean, if you increase the points cost by one point in every single guard model and you're taking 120 guardsmen, that's 120 points off your list. Mm -hmm. Plus the points increases that are presumably coming for, for characters and stuff in these horde armies. Like you're, you, see, you could see horde armies losing 300-odd points, which makes the armies a lot smaller. Whereas like your big uh, your big walkers and stuff that I don't think will be adjusted in points will stay relatively the same. So that gap between the two extremes is going to close a bit. Which I think is a good thing. Um, but again, it's a balancing act with the points. It's so hard to get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. Uh, another question that actually that I have in mind about knife is when they're going to get a pre-release or like uh, like a proper digital version of the rules. Yeah. Uh, because you basically saw pretty much everything already. They they showed us the box uh, yeah. a few days ago. Uh, with easy to build uh, models. Yeah. Uh, as far as I remember, they all are going to be easy to build, uh, both Necrons and Space Marines. And they all look really good, apart from the. Uh... Have you seen the weird new version of the attack bike? That doesn't look, uh, that doesn't look great. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, the, the one with, with four wheels and, uh, and the like machine gun on top. Like to me, honestly, it, it looks like in the in the in the Russian army in the beginning of twentieth century, there's been actually like pretty much like like this one. Okay. Uh, it's been a horse and the guy with the with the machine gun <laughs> on top, and it is and it is called like me and my. Uh, uh, my small bear going to ride around. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, other than that, all the new models do look really cool. And um, uh, it's annoying to see more Space Marines, but they have got to replace the Primaris line, uh, the regular line with Primaris. So that's always going to be, that's going to be a thing for a while. 
But the new Necron stuff looks amazing. And if any army needs help right now, it's Necrons. Um, yeah, so that, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> having some cool new models that have some cool new mo- rules would really like boost them. But like, I have been to so many tournaments where there hasn't been a, there's been over a hundred people and there hasn't been a single Necron player. Every other army is there apart from Necrons, which is a problem. Yeah, usually when I go to a tournament, I usually see like two, three guys bringing Necrons. Yeah, that's like max. Yeah. And usually they have pretty much the same build. Yeah, and then they still like win a game. Like, well, maybe two. I, I remember. Uh, well, there's the one guy, isn't there? Who's one really guy good. Won, the, won the tournament. Yeah, like yeah. A, two tournaments ago, three tournaments yeah. ago. He but he, he, uh, he had a really specific army, which I actually think is pretty funny. So he took a whole load of. Um, uh, I think. They, oh, I can't remember what they're called. They're arcs or something. They're the, the Necron transport. So he took loads of those and then moved them up against his opponent's army and just mm-hmm. made a line so yeah. that they couldn't move past them. They're actually quite hard to kill. They don't really do anything. And then just used his um, his other models to just hold objectives. Uh, but, like, which is hilarious way to work around the rules and make Necrons work, and it's kind of fun to see it, but, like, that's not the sort of thing I want to see normalised. I don't like armies where you don't interact and just watch the person win. That's very frustrating. That's, that's the worst games I actually had ever yeah. in my life when you have two armies like this. Yeah. And uh, as you as you all know already, I play at Mech and usually it's Castle. Yeah. And I remember when I played against against the guy who played Death Watch and uh, a Knight. Yeah. Yeah, Death Watch and Knight. So basically we, we both had two castles. Mm. Uh, he didn't move towards me, I didn't move towards him. And we just Stand it like on the on the like the different uh, on opposing edges of the battlefield, shooting each other, trying to kill at least something. But this new reserves thing should really try and break that up because like if you are a more knowledgeable player and you go into that environment and you're like, okay, they have a castle, I have a castle. Um, my usual tactic is just to build my castle and sit and shoot. But he's probably going to do that, especially if you get the the second turn, so you do, so you get to deploy after mm-hmm. your opponent. Be like, okay, right. So I'm going to deploy these things that you can't really hurt that well with a castle, a lot of stuff out of line sight, and then I'm going to reserve all of this, and then turn two, I'll come in your flank and actually do some damage. So I think like that is going to be... Um, the rules themselves will, will kind of break up the whole castle thing, because people will be able to get in and hurt them if they if they can manipulate the rules. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that that's actually really good, yeah. uh, because it finally forces castles to move around a little yeah. bit. Because before that, uh, in, in many games that I had during the tournaments, for me it was like, sit here, don't move, anyone comes into the range of shooting, shoot it, yeah. forget about it. That's it. That was the whole idea of... Which, actually, if you're kind of new to tournaments, is actually a pretty good list to build, because it's not too much to think about. You've got to make sure you're in your aura ranges. I mean, you're not going to go to your first tournament and try and win, but you want to like get used to tournaments. So building a castle army for your first tournament... Not necessarily a bad thing, but if it becomes the standard way to play, and you just have two castles facing off against each other at top tables, who's going to watch that stream? Like it's so boring. Yeah, exactly. It's it, but it's not it's it's not only boring for for people around you to watch the game, but it's also it's boring for the players yeah. as well, because you both understand that you're not going to move. You both understand that the question is not like who is more who has more advanced tactics or like yeah. who is going to I don't know like make more clever moves or yeah. something like that it's, it's more like about dices yeah. like if you roll well yeah. and your opponent doesn't roll well then, then you win, then, then you win. And, yeah. and the opposite is opposite so uh, yeah those are like the most boring games I ever had like when we had two castles yeah. standing in front of each other uh, while now for example I would definitely like put my knight on, on the reserve and then like come around because, yeah. because now I can't uh, or I would do the same with robots. Yeah. Just so push them on the front line. Admet seems super, super interesting with this new rule set. I mean, most of your stuff is vehicles, and even the things that aren't vehicles that have heavy weapons have to move and shoot uh, without a penalty anyway. Yeah. So suddenly they become so much more dynamic, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, for me, the, the biggest question is who is going to be on the top meta, obviously, this, this time. Yeah. It's a hard uh, thing to guess now. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to guess. Um, but I would say that probably Space Marines will definitely have a place there. They definitely are a very strong codex, and I don't see the rules changes hurting them. I don't think they're going to necessarily give them any particular benefits um, from what I've seen, but they're still just going to be really good. I, I think they're going to be hilariously good. Yeah. Because even the build that I had before, uh, with the redeployment of Space Marines, now, now even this build, which wasn't like... The, top one that I made, yeah. even this one can become like surprisingly good. Yeah, because you bring the Hellblasters on and then... Exactly, because, range, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, the build was that, 
the build was the following, like it was super simple. Uh, it had a lot of Hellblasters, uh, then it had Mar Marius, Kalgar, Tigarius, uh, Tigarius, yes, and Custodes. Uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty much that's it. So now what's possible to do, it's either, it's either possible, first, you don't actually need to, uh, to put Custodes into reserve because the battlefield is smaller, they can move anywhere, yeah. anyway. Uh, but you can move, first you, you, you can use a stratagem to redeploy your space marines, that's the first thing. And the second one, you can put two units into reserve, yeah. and then they come and they shoot and they kill everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, a more dynamic game is a better game. Um, yeah. Definitely. I want to see people making tactical plays and not just like throwing a load of stratagems at one unit and then it wins them the game. Like that's, it's not that... Interactive. I remember how Castellan did that. Yeah, right. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm very hopeful. I'm sorry, I'm a bit tired now after this game. But um, yeah, no, I am. I'm feeling pretty positive, but pretty like confused at the same time because I'm really not sure uh, how we're gonna how we're gonna build in this new in this new world that we find ourselves in. I'm actually thinking about going back to Dark Elder because of the um, the flyers now can move off and on the board. Um, so in your movement phase you can move off the board and then you move back on again and flyers aren't restricted to the board edge like other units that do this now um, they can just come on anywhere as if they're deep striking and they can be their base can be within an inch of any mo mo enemy model so I'm thinking some build where I take void rovers just fly them straight across the board bomb the enemy lines then bring them around again I think that could be pretty cool um, but yeah I'm so not sure I mean it, it seems like they've changed. I mean, I might be wrong about this, but the the current battalion that they've shown on the website is is uh, two HQ minimum, three troops minimum, and then extra up to one extra HQ and up to three extra troops, and then three heavy support, three fast stack, two flyers. But you have six elite choices, um, which I don't think is the current battalion. I think it's three. I might be wrong there. Um, so battalions with a lot of elites could be a thing, and like. Those are the kind of unit you don't really see that much at the moment. Like elite expensive infantry is generally not taken. No. So if the points are adjusted so that elites are actually playable and you can take a lot of them in just taking a single battalion, maybe mm -hmm. we'll see more builds like that, which would be pretty cool. I'd like to um, get more Terminators, more Chosen, um, you know, those sorts of units onto the battlefield because they're very cool models. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely love to bring. Uh, we've mentioned that I brought two drink lowers today. They yeah. didn't. They didn't do much. Yeah. Uh, but I would definitely enjoy bringing them on the table back because, like, that's an like, iconic model for the admin. But again, it doesn't really work at the moment. Yeah. I mean, so this is the thing. I mean, not everything is going to get better with the new rules. Like, yeah. you've got to be realistic. But from what I'm seeing and from having a go at playing them now, I think like there's gonna be a, a nice broad range of armies that are gonna be able to compete. Mm -hmm. You're still gonna have those all-star units that are basically auto-takes. You're still gonna have those handful of units that no one takes because their rules don't work. But I think overall it should be more dynamic and there should be more a more of a range of builds. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're sort of coming towards the end now, guys. Um, yeah. another, another day where we could have spent hours and hours talking. <laughs> Um, but uh, one thing I want to mention is we have now started a little Twitter profile. Um, Warhammer Wookies, pretty easy to remember, pretty easy to find. I've got my fancy new logo that I made today, so hopefully <laughs> things look a bit more professional. Um, so give us a give us a like on an, uh, on give us a follow and a few likes on there, and um, obviously contact me on my email as I said before, richardgfoster at protomail.com. But if you want to contact me on Twitter, like that's great, go ahead. And um, um, yeah, book recommendations. And book recommendations. Are you ready? Do you have uh, one? I, I I'm I'm ready. Go for it. I'm ready. And this time again, it's not a Warhammer book, uh, but it's still something that actually is. It has a connection, uh, not really with Warhammer, but at least with our life. Uh, <laughs> so we, as as you know, we both live in Sweden, and probably most of you don't really know a lot about Sweden. At least I didn't when I moved to Sweden. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you did. No, oh, I was one of those people who wasn't sure which one was Sweden, which one was Norway, and which one was Denmark. It was all just Scandinavia, okay. like <laughs> that bit in the north of Europe. Wait, well, I knew a little bit more, but pretty much the same, to be honest. Yeah. So what I would advise you to read about is a book called 1793 uh, by Niklas Nat Okdag. 
Uh, that's a, like a classic Swedish detective story. Uh, not, like, not really classic, it was released like two, two years ago. And it won a lot of awards uh, from Swedish uh, Book Academy, from like most of literature critics. They, uh, they actually acknowledged this book really well and they, they thought that it's really good as a, as a Swedish uh, detective novel. And uh, so what you should know about Swedish novels, especially about detectives, uh, that's a lot of blood. Everyone yeah. is trying to kill each other. Swedish, Swedish, Sweden literature has is pretty grim. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty grim and dark, but not in the future, but in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but like as usual, what happens is that we have a detective who has like some backstory which he doesn't want to tell you about, like but something really grim. And uh, the surroundings around him is Sweden. Always is a night. Uh, some kind of, I don't know, like smog and dust and how the city is suffering and dying. So pretty much like 40k, yeah. but in the past. Yeah. Uh, why, why I did remember about this book this time, because a few days ago it actually has been a sequel of that book called, you won't guess, 1794. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't start with this one, uh, but I already have it on my bookshelf, so I definitely check it out. Uh, as far as I remember, the review is really good as well. Uh, for the second part. So, but if you haven't heard anything about Sweden and if you want to learn what the grim dark of the past in Sweden <laughs> is, then 1793, that's the book to check. Okay, cool. I might have to check that one out myself. So, I've um, this is a bit of a throwback recommendation for me. I mean, so I mentioned before that I was reading the first uh, Fabius Bile novel, which is called uh, Clone Lord. Super, super good. I've now finished the sequel called Primogenitor. No, I mean, I can't remember which way around they're called. I think that's the right around. It's Clone Lord and then Primogenitor. Either way, it's very easy to figure out which is the first one because it says on the book. But um, the second one was even better. And um, there's a huge lore thing in that book, which is massive if you're a, if you're a chaos person, it's particularly Emperor's Children, but if, even if you're just interested in um, how... And these like deep parts of the background that are like mentioned in books and then not really known. The Fabius Bar series is a really really good one to do, uh, to read. He does something in those books which is very remarkable that someone has the ability to do that within the forty k universe, and the outcome of it is very interesting. And there's a very strong moral conundrum in him doing the thing and then what he does with the thing that he did at the end of the book. I'm trying really hard not to give spoilers here. But yeah, if, you, if you're interested in in chaos, Emperor's Children in particular, but chaos in general, or deep parts of 40k lore, and if you like a good like philosophical moral conundrum, the Fabius Bow series is, is a very good read. I got through them super, super quick. So. Okay, well, that's it. That was our uh, six, six, six episodes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. Um, as I said, give us a follow on uh, on Twitter. Contact me if you have any questions, suggestions. We really enjoyed having the listener question last week, so more of those would be great. Would be great. I'd yeah. like to hear from you guys. Okay, see you later. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.